When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the DMVR Rams podcast presented, as always, by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download it today. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up. All right, y'all. It is good to be back after a couple of days off. It was obviously a really big week last week out in Vegas. I had a blast. I hope you guys enjoyed my coverage of the Mountain West Tournament. I certainly love that event. But it's still all about the basketball this week. We have play-in games going already. The tournament begins Thursday. We've got action in Denver on Friday. We'll preview those games actually tomorrow. Will Darkey, who is an intern on the buff side, is a very knowledgeable college basketball super fan, aficionado, whatever you want to call him. He's like me. He loves college basketball. And he's really excited for these games in Denver. So I'm going to have him on. We'll preview that and just give some general takeaways on the bracket as a whole. So I'm really looking forward to that. There's nothing better than March Madness. And I'm definitely looking forward to being there in person, both on Friday and Sunday. We'll have coverage from the arena. I'll probably do some takeaways from those games. Might as well. I'm there. But if you're going to be at Ball Arena, either on Friday or Sunday, Certainly hit me up on Twitter. I'd love to get an opportunity to chat with you guys. This DNVR Rams community is incredibly special to me. And, you know, I just always look forward to those opportunities. Anyways, on this podcast, I am going to dive into the Mountain West matchup specifically. I feel like it's a big year for the league. You know, it, it, it seems like the conference got quite a bit of respect as far as seating and the fact that they got four teams in. The selection committee seemingly did not use past performance as a reason to punish the Mountain West or potentially keep a a team out like Nevada, who had great metrics, but ended the season with a three-game losing streak. I definitely didn't think they were going to get in, but they did, which is great for the conference, four-bid league and back-to-back seasons. At some point, though, you have to turn it around. The Mountain West, as a conference, has lost eight consecutive NCAA tournament games just 22 and 55 all time and just five and 17 over the last decade. So really it's been a rough showing year in and year out for this conference. But I do think there is some reason for optimism going into this weekend. I think the Mountain West drew some more favorable matchups than they did in previous years. So we'll get into all of that momentarily before we do some congratulations are in order for a couple of different hoopsters. Starting with Kyan Evans, 2023 CSU men's basketball signee. He was named the Gatorade Player of the Year for Missouri. The six foot two guard out of Staley High School is a four time all conference selection, three time all state honoree. 
Now he's being recognized as the best player in his state and one of the best basketball players in the entire country, which is really exciting. Kyan is a guy, when you watch him on video, his athleticism, his basketball IQ, both pop. And the thing that's great about him is not only is he a really efficient scorer, a great shooter, he can play, make, and facilitate for everybody. So a guy that can come in and kind of impact winning basketball for others, similarly to the way that Isaiah Stevens did back when he was a freshman. As one of the key cogs for the machine that is the Staley program, Evans has averaged 12.4 points, 6.7 assists, 4 rebounds, and 2.1 steals per game. That squad is 28-2, and and they are playing for a state championship later this week. So best of luck to him and that Staley team in the championship game Friday, and congratulations, Kyan, for being named the Gatorade Player of the Year. The future of the point guard position is very bright for CSU. And it's just really cool to see a CSU signee getting this kind of national recognition, especially when it's somebody who is a, is a good kid both on and off the floor. I had an opportunity to catch up with Evans back in the fall, had him on the pod. He was great, very humble and gracious. And that pretty much went in line with everything that I had ever read about him or heard about him. So yeah, congrats to Kyan Evans. Certainly a very bright future ahead. Shout out to McKenna Hofshield as well. She was named an All-American Honorable Mention. She is the first CSU women's basketball player to earn AP All-America recognition since Becky Hammond back in 1997 and 1998. And rightfully so, considering Hofshield led the Mountain West in points per game, assist to turnover ratio, total assists, assists per game, field goal attempts, free throws, free throw attempts, minutes per game. She was a machine. Prior to the Mountain West Tournament, McKenna was already honored as the league's player of the year. She earned first-team all-conference recognition as well. And with just 33 more assists, she can surpass Ellen Nistrom to become the program's all-time leader in that stat. The other guy that I want to shout out before we get into these Mountain West matchups is David Roddy. Roddy is just going off for the Grizzlies right now. He's hit 18 of his last 24 attempts from the floor for Memphis. He had 24 points and a win over Dallas on the 11th. Followed that up with 19 more points and five boards and a road win over the Mavericks. One of those weird uh, two-game swings where you play the same team at home and then on the road. Seems like the Nuggets always do that with the Spurs for some reason. Anyways, Roddy is absolutely going off for the Grizzlies right now. His game score calculator, which is a stat intended to determine a player's total value in a single game by taking every single stat in the box score into account, not just scoring. His game score calculator for those respective wins was 20.8 and 17.0. For reference, 10 is average at the NBA level. Memphis is 8-1 this season when Roddy has a game score calculator of 10 or more. So when he plays well, it contributes to team success. And I just think it's really neat the way that they have managed Roddy so far this season. I think head coach Taylor Jenkins deserves a lot of praise for allowing Roddy to kind of ride the highs and lows of being a rookie in the NBA. There were definitely stretches where he struggled, especially on the defensive end. He wasn't knocking down shots consistently at certain points. But that's going to happen. There's going to be ebbs and flows in an 82-game season. It's significantly longer than the college campaign. And on top of that, it's an adjustment getting used to the physicality, to the speed of the professional game. But Jenkins knew that Roddy was a high IQ guy, that he was going to absolutely bust his ass every single day and continue to get better. 
And instead of just banishing him to the end of the bench, completely removing him from the rotation when things got tough, they made sure to continue to get Roddy consistent minutes. There were a couple of stretches where they sent him down to the G League just to make sure he was still playing. But it wasn't like they sent him there permanently or demoted him or did something that could have really impacted his confidence in a negative way. They just continued to support him and allow him to grow and kind of go through that process. And now he's playing some of his best basketball at the most important time of the year. I don't know what the future holds for this Grizzlies organization. Obviously, it's kind of a weird time just with everything that's going on with John Morant, a player who's certainly talented enough to be one of the faces of the league. I mean, the fact that he has a shoe deal says that there's only four or five guys in the league that are going to get a signature shoe. But I don't know if he's going to be able to get his act together or what's going to happen with that whole scenario. Certainly seems like there's a pretty good chance Ja does not play again this season. Probably shouldn't. But just from a basketball perspective, I'm not sure if I ever viewed the Grizzlies as legitimate title contenders this year. I think they're certainly good and should have expected and hoped to make a run, you know, get out of the first round for sure. But I've always just worried about their lack of a veteran presence. Just feels like inexperience really comes into play in the tensest moments of the playoffs, especially as you get deeper and deeper. Anyways, I was skeptical of the Grizzlies being a a title contender in the first place. If Jaw is not playing, there's no shot. That said, the silver lining of this scenario, looking at it from a CSU supporter's perspective, Roddy might get more of a chance to play some crucial minutes in the playoffs, especially if he keeps this up. This spring could be really big for David and cementing his role in that rotation. Like if he just continues to stretch the floor, knock down threes, defend at a high level, make winning plays in that regard, score transition buckets, he's showing the ability to put the ball on the floor and force his way to the hoop in that way too that Memphis front office is going to make sure that David is one of the guys that they prioritize and helping build around moving forward. I'm not saying he's going to be John Morant or Jaron Jackson, but David could be a really impactful player for a winning team. And he's always just going to fill his role, do the dirty work, do whatever you need. You don't have to worry about any of the stupid BS off the court that you do with some of those guys, you know, in that locker room. David has always been mature and grounded. I don't know. Never say never, I guess, but you just you don't have to worry about David going on Instagram live flashing a gun at Shotgun Willies. He's just too smart for that crap. And on the court, he's showing that he's a real talent too. It's just awesome to see. It's so cool having a CSU guy play at this level in the NBA and get shared and on the highlight packages and getting hyped up from an exposure standpoint. It's just so invaluable for CSU men's hoops. And just looking at it from an individual standpoint, how could you not be stoked for David? A a guy that bet on himself, did everything the right way, and is now getting an opportunity to live his dream. That's what it's all about, man. All right, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about the NCAA tournament, talk about the Mountain West matchup specifically, give a few thoughts on each region. Right now, though, is the perfect opportunity to sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. We are in the heart of the sports betting season, whether it is getting those futures in for baseball, even football at this point, or March Madness, the NBA, the NHL, the Masters is coming up. I mean, your possibilities are endless, and nobody is hooking it up better than the homies over at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Right now, you can place a no-sweat SGP, which stands for same-game parlay, up to $10 on any NBA matchup. And if that bet does not hit, you're going to get your bet back. You're going to get an opportunity at redemption. It really just helps you alleviate some of that risk and better uh, maximize your possibilities of winning. Whatever you are betting on, whether it's NBA, college basketball, MLB futures, NASCAR, even you name it, make sure you are doing it with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now, sign up with the code DNVR. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Again, with that code DNVR, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Additionally, you know that we love our Breckenridge brews over at DNVR, and we love them because they have a beer for any occasion. There's no better way to watch a game than having some ice-cold Breck brew on deck. I know I will have plenty iced up and ready to go for those Saturday and uh, Thursday games when I'm not at Ball Arena. Breck Brew has been doing it for 32 years, and it all comes down to their love and passion for making good beer. It's made with 100% renewable energy. you got to love that. And you've also got to love the variety that they offer, whether it's Mile High City Gold Nail, perfect for watching a Nuggets game, a classic Avalanche Amber Ale. I mean, if you're missing the, uh, the OG fat tire, I think Amber Ale is a great way to go. You can never go wrong with a Mountain Beach Sour or with the Good Company Hard Seltzer. Whatever you're drinking, make sure it's a Breck Brew, though. You can find Breck Brews with the Breck Beer Locator that is located at breckbrew.com. Find the closest liquor store, grocery store, whatever near you, and take all the inconvenience out of beer shopping. Finally, DNVR has teamed up with Run Your Pool. The madness is coming, and we are giving you an opportunity to compete in a bracket challenge. Fill out your picks for all 64 teams in the tournament. Get points for each pick you get right. And if you absolutely kill it, you're going to have an opportunity to win some cash prizes. First place is going to get $300 courtesy of Run Your Pool, as well as a $75 DNVR a locker gift card. Second place is getting $150 cash. Third place still gets 50. And the best part, it's free to enter and free to play. Run Your Pool is the home of competition, bringing sports fans and their friends together to connect and compete. RYP has over 50 game types for every sport you can think of. It's a one-stop shop for sports gaming with over 2 million players. There's no better place to run your bracket for your friends, family, or office. Head on over to play.runyourpool.com slash DNVR. You can also find that link in the podcast description. One more time, that is play.runyourpool.com slash DNVR, or you can find that link in the show description. All right, all right, all right. Starting with Wednesday night, we've got Arizona State taking on Nevada in the play-in game. The winner of that will advance to face six-seeded TCU in Denver. So a tough draw awaiting either of these squads if they happen to make it through. It should be a really fun game, though. Two of Arizona State's stars, Warren Washington and Desmond Cambridge, who actually hit the game-winning shot against Arizona a while back, they both played for Nevada last season. They're going up against their old school. Kind of crazy how that worked out. But I guess that's just modern college basketball. When you dive into the numbers... The Sun Devils as a team, not efficient at all. Their offense ranks 308th in effective field goal percentage. That basically means they do not get quality looks very frequently. They do hound you defensively, though. They're basically as equally proficient on the defensive end as they are incompetent offensively, at least from an efficiency standpoint. They don't do a very good job of creating quality looks. The, the benefit or the silver lining, I guess, for them is that they also don't give up a lot of good looks. 
One area of the game where I'm really interested to see how it plays out is just the offensive glass. The Sun Devils as a team give up about 12 offensive rebounds per game, one of the worst averages in the country. Nevada, though, they're not typically a great offensive rebounding team, only about seven per game. I want to see if the Wolfpack can take advantage there. Hopefully their center, Will Baker, is able to go in this one. He was dinged up and only played about 19 minutes in that quarterfinal loss to San Jose State. If he's in the game, though, I think that's a really big boost for Nevada. The Wolfpack will definitely need Gerard Lucas to have a good game. He's the kind of guard that can shoot you in or out of a win. Uh, But I think those two, Baker and Lucas, are going to be really big keys for Nevada. If they play well, they should win. But if they get disrupted by Arizona State's you know, ball pressure, if they start jacking up bad looks from deep, it could also be a long night. Regardless of who wins this one, I don't really think either has a great shot of advancing past TCU. But as far as the intrigue and just drama level for a play-in game goes, this is up there. I'm really looking forward to watching this one. Hopefully Nevada can get off on the right foot for the Mountain West, get a good start going. All right, moving on to San Diego State versus Charleston. This is probably the game that is going to draw the most national interest. Charleston, a really fun story. 31-win team beat CSU earlier this year in the Charleston Classic. But the more that I dove into the numbers, the more that I found this is a matchup that, at least on paper, favors the Aztecs. Charleston does shoot a lot of threes, and that's a big part of their offense. They're not super efficient. They're ranked 227th in three-point field goal percentage, and Ken Palm has them at 210th in three-point efficiency. And that's significant, especially going up against a team like San Diego State. A big part of what Charleston does well is crash the glass. They average about 13.6 offensive rebounds per game. That's one of the tops in the country. I just wonder if they're going to be able to do that effectively against an experienced San Diego State team that has a ton of size. I wouldn't say that the Aztecs were an elite rebounding team this year, but if it's something that they're locked in on and it's a big part of their game plan going in, just eliminating the offensive rebounds for the other team, I would be surprised if Charleston just kicked their ass on the glass. And the other thing that San Diego State really does well, they defend the three better than just about anybody in the country. I mean, opponents only hit 29% from deep against them. That's ninth in the country. So I'm sure that Charleston's going to be a really popular upset pick, 12-5. We all know how that goes. I just wonder if their style of play is going to ultimately translate against SDSU. 28 of their wins came against Q3 or Q4 competition. And I just think it's fair to say that the Aztecs are on another level when it comes to the type of team that they're going up against. I mean, not even North Carolina ended up being what SDSU is this year. And as fun of a story as Charleston is, I just think this San Diego State team is so hard to shut down. They're so solid defensively. They're so physical. They have so much experience that they can bring off the bench. You know, one of the things that was tough to swallow from a CSU fan's perspective in those losses to SDSU is they actually did really well on both Bradley and Mensa. But in the Mountain West quarterfinal, Lamont Butler gave him 16. He had 19 in the game in Fort Collins as well. Ladee had 10 off the bench. Even if you do a good job on their quote-unquote stars, you still have the possibility of just getting killed by somebody like Micah Parrish. He hit three threes, had 15 points in the win over CSU in Fort Collins. 
You got to worry about Tremel, the Seattle transfer going off. Ladie is a stud. A rope coming off the bench probably should have been the sixth man of the year. The amount of guys that they have that you can trust to be playing on the floor in the final five minutes of a game and make winning plays, you're just not going to see that with very many other teams across the board. And that's why, despite the history, probably setting myself up for heartbreak here and a terrible bracket, I've got San Diego State making a run at the Sweet 16. Moving on, talking about another matchup I feel pretty decent about from the Mountain West side. Boise State, 10 seed, taking on Northwestern. The Broncos actually favored by two the last time I checked. This is an interesting matchup. The Wildcats, they have a top 20 scoring defense. Boise State, no slouch on that end either. Number 35 in scoring defense. The big difference to me is how much more proficient Boise State is on the offensive end. They're basically comparable defensively, but miles ahead offensively. They're a well-balanced team. They can score at all levels. But what I really like about this Broncos team is just the fact that they've got multiple guys that can create a quality look for themselves and are not necessarily dependent on the system to get them a good look. Shaver, Dagenhart, you trust those guys in an ISO scenario. You trust them to hit a three. You trust them to create something in the mid-range. And that's just such a big bonus to have, especially in a game like this that could get bogged down with two good defensive sides. You know, you might have a scoring drought for a couple minutes at a time. Sometimes you just need that guy who can slow the game down and create something for himself. We saw it with Isaiah and John consistently all year. So I just like the scoring options, the experience that Boise brings to the table. I think they play well as a team. I think they're really deep. Do have to look out for Boo Booey, though. Crafty Northwestern guard does a really good job of getting to the line. If he gets some of those guys in early foul trouble, maybe able to get somebody like Max Rice or Marcus Shaver probably off the floor, that's where I could see a recipe for disaster with Boise State. Looking at Utah State versus Missouri, we've got a matchup of a pair of really electric three-point shooting teams. Missouri has not defended the three very well this year, so if you're an Aggies fan, that's probably what you feel pretty good about. They rank 284th nationally in defensive three-point percentage allowed. And from Utah State's side, that plays right into their greatest strength, which is knocking down threes, number five three-point shooting offense in the entire country. You could certainly see a scenario in which Utah State just gets insanely hot. Ashworth, Funk, and some of those guys end up hitting like 15 threes. On the other end, though, you could also see Kobe Brown, Demoy Hodge getting hot from Missouri and doing the exact same thing to you. I did hesitantly pick Utah State to pull this off when their offense is firing all cylinders, when they're hitting shots. It's a lot of fun to watch. My biggest concern is unlike Boise State, who I just complimented for this, and you know, probably unlike Missouri to an extent, they don't really have anybody that you trust to put the ball on the floor and create something. Ashworth can to an extent, but against a team with more size and athleticism, you know, I'm not so sure how effective on the drive he's going to be. Really just kind of depends on which Missouri shows up because they have been incredibly hot and cold all year long. Streaky shooters from deep, but certainly capable of lighting it up. To me, it just kind of comes down to what type of defensive effort do they make? Utah State, it's a lot of movement. If Missouri is staying with those guys, if it's very few open looks for the Aggies in rhythm, Missouri's probably going to come out on top just from the sheer advantage they have in terms of athleticism. 
But I don't think you hate this matchup if you're a Utah State fan going in. And who knows? Maybe they can pull a CSU and beat Missouri and advance the round of 32. All right, I'm going to wrap up here with just a couple of thoughts on each region. When you get hurt, though, Backus and Shanker is here to help. Backus and Shanker wins for Colorado families. They have been helping those who are seriously injured in Colorado for more than 25 years. Free until they win money in your case. No upfront fee to speak with you about your case. No fee while they work on your case and no fee unless they win your case and win money for you. Backus and Shanker has won over $1 billion for their clients, now with even more locations serving all of Colorado, including neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. Backus and Shanker has the strength and power to win your case with more than 30 lawyers and 100 staff. Backus and Shanker helps with all kinds of injury cases when you weren't at fault. Car accidents, motorcycle, rideshare, pedestrians, trucks, they can even help if you're injured at work. Call Backus and Shanker at 222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Backus and Shanker wins. All right, I'm not going to go super in-depth or game-by-game or anything like that, but I did just kind of want to give a couple of thoughts on each region here, starting with the East. I was pretty surprised that Duke was only a 5. I think it's really lame that that's who Oral Roberts drew. Much like with Charleston, San Diego State, I think Oral Roberts will be a popular 12-5 upset pick just because of what they did two years ago with that run to the Sweet 16. Max Aismas is a star. And that Oral Roberts team is really good. They did not lose a single game in Summit League play or the Summit League tournament. And their reward is getting a Duke team that is playing some of its best basketball at the perfect time. Seems like they didn't get rewarded at all for winning the ACC tournament. And I know that's a common complaint uh, for the selection committee is what is even the point of these conference tournaments if making a run like Duke or Penn State, for instance, does nothing to improve your seating. But I just think it's a bad draw for Oral Roberts. I think it's unfortunate because if they were not matched up against each other, I do think both of these teams are more than capable of making a run to the Sweet 16 or beyond. I actually have Duke going to the Final Four. Again, much like my Mountain West picks, probably the kiss of death, but that's how all of this goes. It's basically throwing darts at the board. Just bummed. I was bummed that Duke and Oral Roberts ended up playing each other in the first round. Uh, sticking with the East, I'm interested to see what happens with Kentucky. I was in the building last year for that loss to St. Peter's. Their fans just in pure disbelief. There's a lot of Kentucky fans uh, in the college basketball media world. Somebody like Kyle Mann. It seems like they're pretty disinterested in this tournament. Like, Don't feel very good about their, their chances of making a run. I thought it was interesting to see kind of how much they struggled this year, especially with Shibway coming back. Kind of seems like a weird year for some of those blue bloods that had guys that came back. They all kind of underperformed, whether it was Baycott at North Carolina, not individually. I'm just saying the teams, Kentucky and Sheebway, even Gonzaga to an extent with Timmy. None of those teams really lived up to preseason expectations. Final thought on the East, kind of the team that I have as a sleeper, Michigan State as a seven. If they survive USC in that opening round, and I feel like that's the thing with Michigan State, they either get eliminated in the opening round or they make the Elite Eight. If they can get past USC, look out. I do not think Marquette and Shaka Smart want to draw a very efficient Michigan State team that plays good defense, plays good offense, gets good looks from the floor. That's not who you want in round two, especially when you've lost four consecutive tournament games. As a whole, I think the Big Ten was super overrated this year, and even Michigan State at times, there were moments where I would try to buy in, and then they would just really underwhelm for long stretches. I still think when it's all said and done, 
just with Izzo and the experience that they have on that team. They're, they're a group you should look out for. Uh, moving on to the South, Alabama, if they play as well as they did in that SEC tournament, they're going to win the national championship. That would probably be the least enjoyable outcome in terms of just being able to feel good about enjoying the tournament. None of the storylines would be about basketball, and they shouldn't be in that instance. But Alabama just has this feel to them. It seems like despite everything that's going on off the court and all of what you would think would be distractions, they just continue to perform at an elite level. The pace that they play at is insane. Defensively, they swarm you. And Brandon Miller, purely from a basketball standpoint, is the best player in this tournament by far. And I think he'd probably be the number one pick in the draft if it weren't for Victor Wembanyama. Looking at the Midwest, I was pretty surprised that Kansas didn't get that one seed. Instead, it's Houston. Uh, Houston certainly set up to make a run to Houston where they would get Houston alum Jim Nance on the call. That would be fun. It basically just comes down to if they can stay steady enough until Sasser gets back. And it's essentially the same spot they were in last year. But I think the Midwest is really favorable for Houston to make a run. I think the West is fairly favorable for Kansas to make a run as well. That said, I do think there's a lot more efficient quality basketball teams in that region that are capable of pulling an upset. UCLA, I mean, it's unfortunate you lose the defensive player of the year, but they still have enough you know, experience with uh, Tiger Campbell and, and Jaime Jaquez and, and these guys to, to make a deep run, in my opinion. Timmy and Gonzaga. What kind of defense they play, we'll have to see, but offensively, they're as good as anybody in the country. That's the region that I think is probably the most interesting is the West. And I'm not just saying that because there are games in Denver. I just think Kansas and the potential of going back to back. I think Gonzaga going in as a three seed, they should like their spot more than having so much attention being like the one or the two. I still don't understand why people are so harsh on them. The fact that they make this many elite eights, sweet 16s in a row is is absurd. And yet still somehow nationally they get talked about as frauds or something. There's just a lot of interesting storylines in this West. I mean, even in the opening round, you've got UConn versus Iona. you got Hurley versus Slick Rick Patino. We've got the possibility of a Gonzaga-UCLA rematch. I mean, I'm, I'm really stoked about this West region, and I think it's going to be the most fun to follow. Anyways, that's all I've got for today. Shout out to everybody for supporting that content. Hope everybody has fun this week watching March Madness. Maybe you're playing hooky. If so, I'm not going to tell. But enjoy the chaos. Enjoy the madness. It'll be over before we know it. And then we have that brutal time of spring, summer, where you just have no college football, no college basketball. And I find myself watching old games on YouTube just to get the fix. But yeah, shout out to the presenting sponsors, DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for our bracket challenge with Run Your Pool. You can find those in the podcast description. Much love, y'all. Peace. with
with the cuff khakis Wearing graphic tees Feeling way too trendy Raps that kill Oh, I'm deadly Primed and ready Like machetes At a deli In New Delhi Feeling scummy Like Martin Scarelli Turn jam into jelly Then drink it like juice But water's the truth So I sip on that too Skinny looking kid With no car keys Like the only thing I drive Is RCRV He's got the stash Like Steve Harvey Oh, I'm gnarly